Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap for February 3rd. Hope everybody is doing well. Halfway through the week, halfway to Super Bowl. I know it's going to get cold. I know it's going to get snowy here in Wisconsin, but that's okay. We at least have something to look forward to on Sunday. The uh, restrictions are loosening up here in the state of Wisconsin and in Milwaukee. Uh, We're going to have fans at the Pfizer Forum. So there are a lot of things to kind of look forward to. Today's topics are these. We're going to have talk about Matt LaFleur and play calling. We're going to talk about Jordan Love's comments. So Jordan Love decided to talk. I'll talk about why that's a bad idea. We'll also talk about when is the right time to win a championship? What age range is the best to enjoy a championship? I think you can go in a lot of different angles with this. So we'll break that all down. Uh, Fun show today. But let's start with Matt LaFleur. Let's start with Matt LaFleur and his comments about play calling. So Matt LaFleur said to the media on Monday, basically saying, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be the play caller next year. I, I have to really think about it. I don't know if I am seeing the whole picture because I'm deeply involved with play calling. And I feel comfortable handing that off to Nathaniel Hackett because I know Nathaniel will do a good job. Nathaniel Hackett obviously was well regarded this year as the gold zone creator and did a lot of good things with the Packers offense. I think him and Matt LaFleur were synced and kind of tied at the hip. That said, I think this would be an overreaction by Matt LaFleur. This sounds very much like Mike McCarthy after the 2014 NFC Championship game. Now, that game was much more brutal for Packer fans. Um, That was a game where the Packers lost control. Mike McCarthy's immediate move was to give up play calling. It turned out to be a disaster. Mike McCarthy ends up taking back over control halfway through the season as the Packers offense was stagnant. Packers weren't very good in the by the middle of 2015. Now they figured it out and started to put some things together as the year rolled on. I don't want Matt LaFleur to make the same mistake. I don't want him to overreact to one game. That was one game where something went wrong defensively and you had an obvious defensive mistake. It wasn't great. Matt LaFleur should have been more communicative with Mike Patton. There should have been a timeout that took place and had a conversation about what defense they wanted and they didn't have it. But Matt LaFleur shouldn't hold that over his head. Now, I know Pete Doherty has come out against this. Um, Pete Doherty, obviously, of the Green Bay Press Gazette. But I I disagree. I push back on that because they were so good offensively this year. They were number one in DVOA. It wasn't like this offense was a problem. They had a better offense statistically than the Kansas City Chiefs, who are considered the best offense in the NFL. So why would Matt LaFleur want to give up play calling just because of one play that happened in the NFC Championship game? Now, did that one play lead to the Green Bay Packers losing the game? It was a contributing factor. But look, if Aaron Jones doesn't fumble that ball, Green Bay wins the game, right? If that touchdown's taken off the board, Green Bay has a miraculous comeback. Or not, yeah, they win 25-24. Green Bay wins the game, or it's at least tied, and who knows what happens from there. If Green Bay would have capitalized on one of Tom Brady's interceptions, they threw two of them, and they went two and out in both of those, Green Bay would have probably won the game. So for Matt LaFleur to say, all right, I need to see the bigger picture, 
it's just a wrong idea. I think he is still, the wound is still fresh. Matt LaFleur is still watching tape. I'm sure he's watched that tape hundred times. He's grinded it out. And I think what Matt LaFleur needs to do is take a step back and realize that it is just one game. Now, did the miscommunication with Patton happen often? Now, we don't know all of the, the instances where maybe some of this stuff happened. And maybe Matt LaFleur is like, this is actually a bigger deal than you guys realize. While it seems like it's one play, this happened often and it bit us in the ass when it mattered the most. I'm not sure. And maybe, you know, Matt LaFleur is obviously interviewing defensive coordinators right now, whether it's Jerry Gray, Jim Leonard, um, Chris Harris, Joe Barry, whatever, the variety of names they have. And if they ask the question of, hey, look, I had a miscommunication with my defensive coordinator. I would prefer to keep the play calling. I'd prefer to keep what we have going. What would be steps that you'd take to make sure that something like the Kevin King play doesn't happen to us next season? And I'm sure they have an answer for it. I'm Because that to me is a very easy interview. Not an easy, but that's a good interview question that Matt LaFleur should be asking these candidates. And if these candidates provide an answer to Matt to basically say, look, it's not to say you you are going to be hands off, you'll be in the loop, but we'll be able to communicate with each other so that you know what's going on. And then if you need to prep the offense, you can go prep the offense. Or you take a step where if it's a situation like this, where it's the end of the half, you maybe are getting the ball back, have Hackett work with the players and have a conversation. Now, Hackett is up in the booth, so maybe that's part of the issue. And I understand that some guys are weird. Some guys prefer to be up in the booth because they can see everything. They can see what's happening. I think it's good to have Hackett up in the booth. But if you need him down downstairs to communicate everything better, then that's what you'll do. I think they're going to make small changes to avoid that happening again. But I still think this is an overreaction. It in a weird way, it's similar to what Aaron Rodgers said on Sunday. I know you're like, wow, Aaron Rodgers topic, very original. Way to drive up the listens, way to drive up the clicks. Well, Aaron won't be featured in the headline. But here's the thing. Rodgers was so sort of adamant about all the stuff that went on on Sunday about like basically, I don't know about this, what the future is. I don't know what the future holds and was sad and all this shit. And it was because he knew this team wasn't going to be the same team next year. And Matt LaFleur is looking at this and saying, I don't want this to happen next year. Like, I don't want this to be a problem again. I never want to have a situation where Scotty Miller is streaking down the field. And let's also remember, I know that that was a great play for Tampa Bay. But let's remember, that was one of Tom Brady's best throws. I remember watching that and I was like, holy shit. Like all of us were. And even Tom Brady stands, even Tom Brady fans from New England have said that is one of the best throws they've ever seen Brady throw. So Tom Brady could have overthrew that and it wasn't a touchdown. And yeah, we're talking about, holy shit, Kevin King was out of position and we got really lucky. Or he underthrew it and maybe Kevin King picks it off out of nowhere or probably dropped it because he has stone hands. But anyways... It took an incredible pass for it to happen. So that's where I'm like, Matt LaFleur, like you don't necessarily need to just completely throw the baby out of the bathwater here and say, 
all right, I'm going to give up play calling because I need to see more of the bigger picture. Were the Packers really that bad situationally this season? They were 13-3. and They went to the NFC Championship game. One mistake happened. One mistake does not define a season. So I think for Matt LaFleur to be like, I'm going to take, take away play calling, I just worry you're going to have a similar situation as 2015. And now I realize the heartbreak of this loss wasn't the same, but you're going to have a situation where Aaron Rodgers now has to work with Nathaniel Hackett. I get they have a really good relationship. I get that they really like each other. I believe, if I remember correctly, with 2015, Rodgers wanted Van Pelt to take over. It ended up being Tom Clements. I think that was right. Or maybe Clements was there before Van Pelt. Doesn't matter. But basically, it was not a good relationship. And it led to, again, a stagnant offense in 2015. I just don't want to see us go back there. And I don't want to see then be like, oh, Matt LaFleur, you know, should he take over? Should he not? And I, I just think it's a big overthink by LaFleur. So I am warning against him sort of giving up the reins of play calling because I think it would be a bad move for the Green Bay Packers next season. I like Nathaniel Hackett. I think Nathaniel Hackett does a good job with the offense, especially around the red zone or the gold zone, which let me tell you, the gold zone jumped the shark like halfway through the the latter half of the season. But still, I think Hackett does really good stuff as the offensive coordinator. I just don't know if giving him the play calling makes the most sense in the world. I think LaFleur should stay the course and just work on tweaking how late game, late game, late quarter situations work so that everybody is on the same page. There was just a drop in communication that happens in every business, right? Like this is not something that is unique to football. I see this happen in my day job where something isn't communicated and it's one thing's thought of and the other thing happens. It's it's just part of life, man. So I'm not ready to overreact here. I think the Green Bay Packers will be fine. I'm not I'm not concerned uh moving forward with Matt LaFleur and I think Matt LaFleur should stay the play caller of the Green Bay Packers. Moving on to Jordan Love. So Jordan Love decided to put his name out there. Jordan Love talked to Zach Gelb on the CBS radio show. Uh, You can actually hear that on 105, oh no, it's 1250 to fan, excuse me. 1250 to fan uh, at at night, if you're curious, um, Zach does a really good job integrating with that radio station. I don't think Zach's a Packer fan, but he it seems like he does do a lot with the Green Bay Packers. Anyways, he talked to Jordan Love. Uh, Jordan Love, we haven't really heard from uh, in a long time. Jordan Love has not really met with the media, I think, since August. Um, you hear things here and there, but Jordan Love basically said, I can only control so much. He didn't really leave the door open for, yeah, I want to be a Packer for life. I think that this is going to be there. He's like, I can only... He said, I don't make the calls, they do. Obviously, like anybody, you want to be out there competing. The way I look at it, if I'm not ready to be out there, then I have to keep working. So that's what Jordan Love said about the quarterback situation. I, why is Jordan Love talking? Why is Jordan Love speaking right now? And I'm not trying to be rude here. I'm not trying to be courtside Karen, okay? 
I'm, but I'm asking an honest question, and we're so like kid gloves with players, player empowerment. Everybody should have their voice. Why the fuck is Jordan Love talking to a national media outlet? That is a bad idea. And I know the Packer PR people are probably not aware of it. I'm sure it was his agent. He's out of season. That is an agent-driven thing. And his agent's like, all right, Jordan, let's get you talking. Let's get you out there. Let it let it seem like maybe you're not the happiest here. Because that's what I read from Jordan Love's situation. Jordan Love is, try, I wouldn't say trying to drive a wedge. That's a little bit intense. But I, I will say Jordan Love is trying to make it seem like, yeah, I'm not happy right now. That is not a, I, I think Jordan Love like is, you know, content with where he is. And I get it, right? He's a competitor, sure. You have every right to be. And he's like, well, I got to keep working. But right now, Jordan Love is not the MVP of the NFL. And for Jordan Love to think that he is on the same level of Aaron Rodgers, I admire his confidence, but he's just not there. And Jordan Love knew that this was what was going to happen being a part of the Green Bay Packers. And did Jordan Love expect this season out of Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. He was probably not told this. Brian Gunacoust and Matt LaFleur were probably like, look, we don't know what we're getting out of Aaron. If Aaron struggles again, you might be the option in 2021. Now, I don't know if they said that. They may have. It might get leaked out that that is said or that he was the option for 2022. But the comments were very much pro-Rogers the last few days. So now Love is trying to direct the conversation in another direction. And love does not seem happy. But again, I go back to the point of why do we need to hear from Jordan Love? What good does it do for Jordan Love's career to have him talking to the media? Now, I'm not blaming Zach Gelb or his booker. That's their choice. They, you know, they can have Jordan Love out there. They should, right? If Jordan Love's available for an interview, yeah, get his opinion. Because guess what? It drew a lot of headlines. People know that it was Zach Gelb's show where he was talking. I don't blame Zach Gelb for having Jordan Love on. I blame Jordan Love for accepting the interview. For Jordan Love to even say that he is available for interviews. Because guess what? All it's going to do is create more division, create more questions, create more problems for the Green Bay Packers versus letting the dust settle. I'm not saying the Aaron Rodgers situation is settled by any means. As I mentioned, yes, I don't know when, yesterday or Monday, the NFL offseason is getting turned into the NBA. They know ESPN, same day as ESPN, Fox, CBS, Sports Illustrated, whoever. They know that treating the NFL like the NBA in the offseason is going to drive clicks, it's going to drive views, it's going to drive engagement. It's going to do everything that they want it to do. So that's why they're going to bring this sort of over-dramatized version of the NFL this offseason. That they're going to hang on every Instagram story Deshaun Watson posts. That they're going to notice Deshaun Watson has removed Texans from his profiles. That shit is not that important. Who gives a fuck? Let them manage social media the way they want. But that is engagement city for these guys, 
So they're like, all right, we're going to pound the drum on this. We're going to pound in the idea that Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be a Houston Texan and keep talking about different options for the Texans quarterback. So Jordan Love saying all this is basically reigniting the fire and maybe even igniting a new fire because now it seems like Jordan Love is unhappy. And I wasn't really involved in the blog game. I did a little bit when Aaron Rodgers was a backup. But for the life of me, I can't remember Aaron Rodgers speaking to the media when he was a backup. I don't remember Aaron Rodgers going on a national syndicated show talking about his future when he was backing up Brett Favre. That, that didn't happen. So again, I ask you, what is Jordan Love doing? What is his endgame here? The only thing I can surmise from this is that Jordan Love would like to get traded. And I know that that sounds maybe intense. But Jordan Love, I think, looks at it and says, all right, if you guys are that committed to Aaron Rodgers, if you are not going to give me a starting job in 2022, whether it's earned or not, then I want to be traded. Then I want to go to some other team where I can actually get a chance to shine. And I I talked a little bit about trading Jordan Love yesterday and why I thought that made sense. You can go back and listen. But to me, this is Jordan Love's first step in trying to work his way out of Green Bay. And I'm not trying to make him a pariah because I think it's really easy to do. And I don't want this to be a 2008 Rodgers situation. But I also don't understand why he felt the need to meet with the media yesterday. Because all it did was throw gas on the fire. So I hope Jordan Love got what he wants. I hope that the Packer PR people were like, hey man, maybe just lay low for a while. We don't really want to talk too much about what's going on in our quarterback room. Or Matt LaFleur even. Because I can't imagine that Matt LaFleur or Brian Gunacoust or Mark Murphy were happy about the Jordan Love uh, interview. And we'll, we'll know... We'll know pretty quickly, I think, if Jordan Love was cleared to talk to the media. I think everybody is, but it's just, it's that NBA stuff, man. It's just, everybody's going to hang on those words. And I'm sure what Jordan Love said will be a topic in the first take Colin Cowherd world today, uh, this morning. Let's wrap up the show with kind of a fun topic a little bit as we get closer to the Super Bowl. This was a topic I saw on a Reddit board and I thought it was interesting to sort of go through. It is when would be the best time to win a championship? Like what age range would you enjoy a championship the most? And I think obviously we throw out zero to five years old because you wouldn't remember it. You're very little. Maybe you remember four or five. I have said before, I don't know if on this podcast, probably somewhere, that my first real like sports memory was O.J. Simpson, the Bronco, the O.J. Simpson Bronco chase and game seven of the the NBA finals that year between the Rockets and the Knicks. I remember a little bit of Rockets Knicks, very, very small amounts. 95, when I was seven, I started to remember more. I can remember the final four that year. I can remember the... Um, NBA playoffs that year. I can remember, 
I, I can't really remember NFL. I do, yeah, I do remember the NFL. I remember where I was for the Super Bowl that year between the Cowboys and the Steelers. I remember Packers Cowboys that year. So like 95 is really when I started remembering football. So zero to five, I, I would throw out. I would say zero to five really isn't any time you'd want to win a championship. It'd be great, but you, you kind of don't want one. I would also include 80 to 90 on the other side of the spectrum. Would it be great as a long-suffering fan? Absolutely. I mean, you hear, you heard all the stories about Cubs fans who won their first championship and they were 80 to 90 years old and what a moment that was for long-suffering Cubs fans. But you really don't get to celebrate because you're an old, you're an old guy, you're an old woman. You just don't really have that wanting to go out, really spending time with your loved ones. I just think... By 80 or 90, you're kind of just, I guess, done. I wouldn't say, I don't want to say done, but you're you're just not the same person, right? You're, you're not as mobile. You're not as one to go out and celebrate. Maybe you have a beer or something like that in celebration, but you're not going crazy about a, a championship. So then we go, and we'll, we'll go young to old. So the next area, the next category would be anywhere from 7 to 13. I think that would be an awesome time to win a championship because I think that's when you build your fandom. And I think that with the Packers winning, I was always a Packer fan. I think my parents raised me right. I think parents that raised Cowboy fans were just bad parents. I think they didn't do a good job ingratiating that you're living in Wisconsin, you're a Wisconsin sports fan. I think that's harder for this generation where you have YouTube and things like that, where people latch on to different athletes. And there are a lot of Chiefs fans that I'm sure are seven, there are ages seven to 14. But I would tell my kid if he was that age, I'd say, look, you can be a Mahomes fan, but you can also be a Packer fan. And they play in different conferences. You just would have to choose when it comes to the Super Bowl. Or you could be, I, I think there we know a seven-year-old who hates Mahomes, who doesn't like Mahomes, which I love. And that's how I was. I was a young kid. I hated Jordan. I've talked about that when we did the last dance stuff, how I hated Jordan because everybody liked Jordan. And I, I liked Reggie Miller instead. And Reggie Miller was my guy. I I wore Kobe jersey for a while, and then I Kobe got too popular. And so then I went to being like, oh, I like the Kings now. Um, so like I, I was always that way as a kid, I was kind of a shithead that way, but anyways, back, it's not about me so much as the championship of a, a young kid can really ingratiate fandom and you'll always remember that and you'll always know where you were and you'll take it so seriously because you don't have much to worry about in life. You're just sort of going through the motions and sports matter to you a lot. And trust me, I loved winning a championship when they beat the Packers, beat the Patriots. And I cried my eyes out when they lost to John Elway the next year. And I've probably hated the Denver Broncos ever since. So that's kind of how it is as a young kid. You, You definitely can be more of a sports fan. As a teenager, I don't think it's that great to win a championship. Look, it'd be exciting. It would be fun. But there's not much you can do. You can celebrate it with your buddies. It can be a memory. But it's not like you can go out to the bars. So like 13 to 18, right before college, there's not that much excitement there. It's not as, as exciting to win a championship in that time. 
it's cool. It's it's awesome. I mean, anytime winning a championship is great, but there's not much you can do there. There's not much you can say, all right, I am so thrilled that we won a championship. You're just sort of excited. You're maybe celebrating with a few friends, but they're not going, you're not going balls to the walls like you will in college. And that brings me to 18 to 25. Yeah, you can't drink in 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 the bars before twenty before twenty one, but man, if you're in the dorms and the Packers win the Super Bowl, you are just going nuts. Especially if you're in a state school here in Wisconsin, like I was in Eau Claire. I was twenty two when the Packers won the Super Bowl last, and that was an amazing timeout. We had so much fucking fun. It was just everybody was elated. It was jubilation in the streets of Eau Claire. It was a great time. And celebrating wins when you don't have that much care in the world, you can get drunk, you can live it up, is just such a great feeling. And so I would say 18 to 25 might be the best time to win a championship. I will contend 25 to 34 would be fun, and maybe you don't have kids just yet, and you can still live it up. But at some point, you're going to be like, ah, we're too old for this shit. Like, I recall, you know, drinking away our sorrows after last Sunday. And at some point, we were like, all right, we got to go home because we got to work in the morning, right? And I remember the infamous Arizona game the Packers lost. I drank till 2 o'clock in the morning that night because I didn't have work the next day. I was still in college. So I got fucked up. And we just don't do that anymore because we're we're older. We're we're mature. Not I wouldn't say mature, but we're we're kind of at a different stage of our life where drinking away the pain of a bad loss is not really the same. And so yeah, twenty five to thirty four on the other side would be fun, and you'd be celebrating, but and you'd still kind of celebrate like you were a college kid, but there would be consequences to follow probably. So I do put that right up there with, you know, little kid and 18 to 25. I'll also say 35 to 45, 35 to 50, pretty fun. Because at that point, you have a young kid, hopefully, and you can share that experience with your son or daughter or both and really sort of enjoy the experience of the Packers or the Bucks or the Brewers winning a championship and sort of getting that, again, you know, bringing a new generation of fans into it and making sure that they are, you know, engaged and alive for it. And also probably keeping your kids awake. I mean, I would feel like a terrible parent if I'd make my kids go to bed and the Brewers or the Bucks or the Packers were on the cusp of winning a championship. We would work on our sleep schedules, do something unique to make sure that my kids could stay up and watch a championship. 50 to 65, I think it's dependent. If it's just another title, it's another title, right? If it's another Packer title, it's great, it's fun, but it's not necessarily like if it were the Brewers, say, and they win their first title. And you've been a long-standing Brewer fan. I've said before, my dad is 67, I think. He's 67, and he's never seen the Brewers win. He's a huge Brewer fan. I would love for a Brewers championship to happen in his lifetime. That's probably the one championship I want, and it's mostly for him. But so 50 to 65 would be special for that reason. But I, I do think if it's just another championship, 
your kid's a little older. He's probably, he or she's probably not celebrating with you. They're celebrating with their friends. They might not, you might not have the same relationship with your kid as you used to. So I don't think that's a great time to win a title. I think it's fun, but you're not going out ripping it up. You're not going to share that experience with your kid. And then 65 to 75, I think that that flips. So then I think your kid is more cognizant that you're a little older, that they want to celebrate with you, that maybe they're not coming over, but they're calling you on the phone and they're talking through it and you're having conversations and you're excited about it, you're texting back and forth, and you're at least sharing that experience more often with them because you know that you have this sort of, I don't know how it works, but at least I feel this, an innate sort of responsibility to share more moments as your parents get older. So to sum up the the when is the best time to win a championship, I think it's two categories. I think 18 to 25 because you can drink, you can celebrate, you have no responsibilities usually as a, as a 18 to 25 year old. And then I think 35 to 50 because likely you have kids and you're able to breed a new generation of fans that they can carry on your fandom into the next legacy. And who knows what sports will look like in their next legacy. Hopefully it is the exact same, but you never know. Could change entirely. So that was fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, That is our show today. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what we'll have in the pipeline. Bucks Pacers tonight, so we'll definitely probably talk about that. And who knows what else will uh, come down the pipeline for the podcast. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Pfizer Forum opening up the fans and Summerfest decision. We didn't get to that today. Maybe that's something we can talk about tomorrow. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Wednesday. We'll uh, chat on Thursday. See you. Bye.